You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Amen. Welcome to church and I warmly welcome everyone who's worshiping with us online this morning. God bless you all for leaving the comforts of your home uh, and coming into church physically in person. And God bless everyone who's also worshiping online. Thank you so much for being here. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, uh, multimedia, you might want to help me. With, okay, you guys have reduced the lights a bit because it was literally right in my eyes. Okay, so um, it was Democracy Day yesterday. How many people went to protest? Nobody here. They are online. The protesters are online. Or they didn't come to church today. All right. But we thank God. We thank God for our nation, Nigeria. Scripture says in, in everything, give thanks. We give thanks because we know that the situation of things can be worse than it currently is. And that it's the prayer of saints that is sustaining this nation. So just in case you ever think or wonder that your prayers, you feel like God isn't answering you, or you feel like God isn't answering your prayers concerning Nigeria, I want you to be encouraged that it could have been worse. It could have been worse. But we thank God that we can even gather is a miracle that we can gather in this country with the way things are going, that we can gather, that Christians can gather, that we can have gatherings, you know, where we can worship God on he, on inhibited freely. It's a miracle. So we thank God. Um, and regardless of whatever it is that is going on, I just want to encourage someone who feels like, yeah, Nigeria isn't it for me right now. I want to remind you, Scripture says that all things, God is working all things out for your good. And I want us to say that together. All things are working together for my good because I love God and I'm called according to His purpose. Can we say that again? Like we believe it. All things are working together for my good. Because I love God and I am called according to his purpose. Amen, amen, and amen. So, for the benefit of those who are probably watch, worshiping with us for the first time or maybe watching us online, this is your first time. We started a teaching series last week tagged Everyday Supernatural. Everyday Supernatural. And last week we spoke about just three big thoughts. I'll try and wrap it up in just three things so that if you're just joining us, you can follow from where we stopped last week. And I would like to encourage you to please go to SoundCloud, the Life Point Church on SoundCloud to listen to last week's Sunday's message, or you can check it out on YouTube. But we started talking about three big things um, that enables us as God's children to live the supernatural life that he has called us to. One is our identity. You know, uh, and on that note, I would love for us to please, church, let us celebrate Crystal for sharing her God experience. God bless you, Crystal. We love you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. And we know that God is at work in you, enabling you to, to live the life that he's called you to. You know, but she, some parts of her God experience literally summarizes what we've been talking about, this entire journey of, of living the supernatural life, you know. Um... The first thing we discussed last week was our identity, that 
if we don't know who we are, then it is difficult for us to live the lives that God has designed for us to. You don't know who you are in Christ. You don't know the promises. You don't know the authority that you have been given. Then the quality of life that you would live would obviously be very subpar, very suboptimal. Because you would be walking with head knowledge. You would be walking with the world's systems and strategies instead of the strategies and the systems of, of, of kingdom living and kingdom life. Okay, the second thing we spoke about was our faith. Our faith is the foundation for our identity. We are who we are because of the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. And the third thing we discussed was understanding the operations of the Holy Spirit in our lives because it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to even call Jesus Lord. Let's start from there. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us and enables us to become new creatures in Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to live this God kind of life, this supernatural life. We also established that the, the term supernatural, while it is very easy for people to, I mean, when you hear it, the first thing you're thinking about is something spooky, something miraculous, you know, heal the sick and raise the dead type thing. We said, yes, that exists in the supernatural dimension. However, it's also important to know that we have been called to live. So there's supernatural living and then there are supernatural acts. The wisdom of God and the power of God has been made available to us to enable us live supernaturally and also carry out supernatural acts. This Sunday, uh, today, we would be discussing what we have tagged fan into flames, activating the anointing. I thought I would get some excitement in the room. Activating the anointing. Now, it's very possible that you are not, you know, super excited because you're like, what is that? What on earth is the anointing? What are we here to talk about today? But I'm excited because I know God came ready for us. God came prepared for us. And this entire month of June, we are being built up to be able to live supernaturally. We established last week that the supernatural life is the life where unnatural things happen. In fact, what we said last week, last week's title, for everybody that was in the room and everyone who watched online, we said, we are not normal. And I should ask you, I hope you had an abnormal week. Aha. Some people are not going to answer because they were not in church on Sunday and so they don't understand. It's, you, are, you are lost. It's lost on you. But we said we are not normal because the definition, the world's definition of normalcy, that is not our definition of life. We as kingdom children, as New Testament believers, we operate, we engage this earthly realm with our spiritual nature. That is our spirit man defines what we do, how we do, how we live, what we say, where we go, how we interact, how we engage, how we close deals, how we function effectively. Versus when we engage the earthly realm with our five natural senses, our physical senses, our sense of sight, sense of smell, hearing, what else, taste, what's the fifth one, touch, feeling. So we don't engage based on just our soulish realm, which is the seat of our intellect or our emotions and our emotions. We engage 
with a spirit nature. So hear me well. I'm not saying that when we are seeing you now, it's your spirit man we are seeing. No. We are seeing you in human flesh. If I want to high five you, I will high five your body, not your spirit. However, when you gave your heart to Jesus and you invited the Holy Spirit in and your, the Holy Spirit began to walk in you, it was your spirit man that got born again. That is why your skin color did not change. That is why you did not grow a beard overnight because you got born again. That is why your hair did not grow longer. In fact, for some people, you started getting bald. But those are just natural occurrences. Physiology, biology has absolutely nothing to do with the spirit. But it is with our spirit that we engage God. And so it's important that I lay that foundation when we, as we start to talk about the anointing. I don't know how many people were able to make it in early enough for Bible study, but I trust that everyone who attended Bible study had an amazing time. Can we please appreciate Demilade, our bishop in the house? Okay, next week we continue on this journey. 9.30 a.m., you want to come and spend some time praying. It's just 30 minutes. Just come and pray for 30 minutes. And then Upper Sunday, we would also have another 30 minutes of deep dive into the scriptures. I also asked that we study the book of Acts. I hope that some of us have at least got into it. Should have been, if you're doing a chapter a day, you should be about chapter six or seven now. Yeah? How many people are studying the book of Acts presently? Thank you, Demilade. Thank you. Thank you, those whose hands are up. I'm just going to assume the rest of you all were not in church on Sunday. But if you are yet to start, I encourage you to please start because the book of Acts enables us to, it just provides an insight into the God kind of life, the kind of life that the apostles lived, you know, with the coming of the Holy Spirit upon them, how they took over territories and all. And it, it, it just makes us understand that this quality of life is very possible, it's attainable, it's achievable. Bible speaks in, uh, I think it, it was Acts 4, so that, you know, um, they saw the works, people saw the works Peter and John did, and they marveled, for they were ordinary men, the kind of words they spoke. They, 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 they related with so much boldness and courage, and they realized that the only thing to attribute it to, because they were uneducated, they were untrained, they were ordinary men. Those were the words that the scripture describes them. Uneducated, untrained, and ordinary. However, their outputs, the quality of their speech, quality of their engagements, the way they delivered the gospel, the way they thrived in their profession as ministers of the gospel, stood them out. And there was only one thing that they could attribute it to, and it's the fact that they had been with Jesus. The fact that they had been with Jesus. And so that is the kind of output that we have been called to give. The interesting thing now is you and I are educated. We are trained. Um, we are pretty much still ordinary. Yeah. But we can be extraordinary. We can live this supernatural life. However, in our generation, what we do so well is to leverage our intellects is to leverage our education, and we trust it enough. We, we leverage our connections, too. We leverage our network, and we trust the one we need to prioritize, the one who has enabled us even to be filled with such wisdom, such intellect, the one that has allowed us into spaces where we are 
connected. I mean, you didn't choose your parents. So if, for example, your parents are, you know, uber connected, they're, you know, they know everybody, and because of that, you're enjoying the benefits of, that, of those connections. That is not you. You didn't choose your parents. Yes, maybe you're married to a spouse who's very well connected. That you chose. But you didn't choose your parents. So you didn't choose your family. You didn't choose the fact that you, you, you wanted to be Nigerian. There's so many things that are outside of your control. Yes, you chose the school you went to. Of course, you studied hard and you maybe finished with a distinction. And you have then enjoyed success because of that. But it's important that we remind ourselves that all that we have and all that we are was given to us by God. He made it so. So just going on in the conversation on activating the anointing, activating the anointing. I want to start by reading the scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1 from verses 6 to 7. I'm reading the Passion Translation. It says, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gifts God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. This was Paul's, Paul speaking to Timothy, and he was encouraging him. And he says, look, fan into a flame, fan into flame. Other translations say, stir up the gifts, okay? Fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gifts God imparted to you when I laid my hands on you. Two words, aside from the very obvious uh, terms that we're discussing this morning, which is fanning into flame and, of course, the rekindling of the fire. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will set us all on fire as we just continue through this month in preparation for the second half of this year. It is my prayer for each and every person that you will look back and you would actually go and journal down that in the month of June 2021, your life took an upward turn. It took a different turn in your walk with God, in the level of intimacy that you developed with him. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. So, spiritual gifts that God imparted. So first off, we recognize that the anointing is the gift from God to us. The anointing is the gift from God to us, and it is imparted to us. The word impart, dictionary definition, means to confer on. It means to convey, to transmit, to give a feeling or quality to something. So when you're conferring something, it means that you have the right of ownership. That is the only way you can confer. That is the only way you can give it. That is the only way you can bestow it upon someone else. And so God, by his spirit, is conferring on us his spirit, a measure of his spirit, his anointing for us to be able to do the works that he has called us to, for us to be able to live this supernatural life. We see also that Jesus of Nazareth, that's in Acts 10 verse 38. It says, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyrant of the devil for God had anointed him. That is the, speaking to the um, anointing of Jesus and 
the output or the outcomes of being anointed. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with great power, and he did wonderful things. He did great works. He performed miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, someone might be seated here today, and I, I try to explain this last week, that when you think about supernatural life, you know, and you're like, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I really want to all this heal the sick and raise the dead, you know. And now we're talking about anointing, and you're like, isn't this for pastors? Isn't this conversation meant for people who serve in church, who work in church, you know, who preach the gospel? It's not for them only. It's for each and every one of us. And you're probably asking yourself, what does the, me being anointed, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? What does that look like in my medical profession? What does that look like in my legal profession? What does that look like in the financial services industry? What does that look like as a musician? Or a, 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 yeah, musician. What does that look like as an artist, as a tech person? What does that look like? What does the anointing, the evidence of the anointing, what does that look like upon my life? So I'm just, let me just quickly put some definition again to um, the word anointing. It says, to be anointed is to function under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. To function under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. It means to function with supernatural enablement. So we see through the scriptures that the anointing is recorded as the impartation of the Spirit into a man, causing that person to be able to carry out a task through the supernatural ability of God within him. That is, there are certain things that you cannot do by yourself. So, for example, if I picked this up and I carried it, is that supernatural? Please answer me, guys. It isn't. With my body size, I should be able to lift this effortlessly, right? Maybe even be able to lift it with one hand. Debilade can help me with that. But if, if an ant came in here, we dealt with superstition last week, so I hope nobody in this room will interpret that as that ant is from the pit of hell. But let us assume that this were a circus and a, an ant or a rat came in here and carried this thing. What would we do? No, 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 chill. See, it's, the, it's your African mentality that is causing you to run. <laughs> my, my, my white family, they will rejoice and clap. They wait, they wait to see. Yeah, you know that part I never understand. You watch movies and yeah, they can clearly see danger. I mean, of course, it's scripted. But your African mind is saying, at the sound of the danger, you have already taken, you say flee. The Bible says flee every appearance of evil. It looks like it. It is not, I've not confirmed that it is, but I've taken a walk first. Let me first be far. I would, you know, observe from a distance. But my white family, my dear broad people, they wait to see. They explore. They're very curious. So let us assume that we're all white in our minds and we see a rat come and lift this. We will be wowed, right? 
we would exactly would would clap. We probably give a standing ovation. I know some people cannot get past that African mindset of why would a rat carry this? Why on earth would a rat? But but just follow me, guys. I'm trying to paint a picture here. So there are certain things that we cannot do in our natural ability. There are certain things. So when scripture says, speak to that mountain and tell it to move the mountain, why do I need for it? As why do I need to speak? There are certain things that we cannot do by ourselves. And there are certain things that you can, there are certain heights you cannot attain in your profession by yourself, just by your human intellect, just by your own ability to strategize and plan. The supernatural life is a life that is dependent. You see that significant portion of you. You see the fact that you do not, you, I mean, you, you, God has a plan and a purpose for you. For you to walk in the plan, you have got to know it. And you've got to be able to partner with God to fulfill his plans for your life. That dimension of the unknown, walking in it, it takes faith. And sometimes by our own human understanding, we cannot even have faith for that journey just by ourselves. Hence why when we sometimes hit a brick wall or we come through a face and it's, a, it's almost as if we're experiencing a wilderness season and we're like, God, what's going on here? Crystal spoke about having to deal with anxiety, you know, and, and different other emotions in a particular phase of her life. And we all go through this. But we need to understand that there are certain things that we cannot do by ourselves. And it is just complete dependency on the Holy Spirit that enables us thrive and enables us to live um, that quality of life that God has called us to live. So, an example of someone we will call anointed in the scriptures is David. How did David become anointed? We see, for those who are familiar with the scriptures, God says to Samuel, look, this dude, the former king, Saul, I'm done with him. The guy I know the hear word. I need another king. Go to the house of Jesse. You would anoint one of his sons. Samuel goes, sets out, gets there. Uh, Jesse, where, are your, where, where, is, where is your son? Or where are your sons? God has sent me to anoint the first son comes out, Eliab, and they, um, Samuel says, surely this is the one. Why? Eliab looks the part. Tall, well-built, in our day and age, we'll say, probably has a very good job, is successful in his own right, you know. And God says to him, to Samuel, definitely that is not the one. I remember saying last week that some of us, we have spent quite some time prioritizing and focusing on just the external, how we look on the outside, that we fail or we have failed to develop our spirit man. And so on the outside, you look like an Eliab. But God is saying, this is not it. This outward appearance, this package... This emptiness spiritually, this midget, toddler, seeking out the king. And God helps him and points him in the direction of the family he should go to. 
However, six, is it six or five of the boys come, come out and God says, no, it's not any of these ones. And you know, it's easy to read that scripture and to miss the part of the message. I know we, we can tease out so many messages there. But the message as we talk about supernatural living and the anointing here today is this. There is an assignment. God needed a king. But all of these other guys did not measure up. They looked it on the outside. But they were not it on the inside. And I cannot but just put this in here, people of God. For the ones that are looking to get married, and your bay, all you are talking about is it must be tall, dark, and handsome. That's your list. Tall, dark, and handsome. And you know, we do it in an interesting manner. We say, tall, dark, and handsome, God-fearing. <laughs> tall, dark, and handsome, plenty money, God-fearing. What is the meaning of God-fearing? What does God-fearing mean to you? You must be God-fearing. God-fearing that he, re- he obeys the Sabbath. He comes to church on his Sunday. Is that your definition of God-fearing? Or what does it mean to fear God? And you know, I always say this to people. You have no right to demand a king when you yourself are not a queen. Neither do you have any right to demand a queen when you are not a king. And so you want a Proverbs 31 woman, industrious, making money, loves God, wakes up early, declaring over the family. In fact, you you have yielded the position of priesthood to her. And then you, all you want to do is just be doing baby boy. But you are praying for a th- Proverbs 31 woman. God will preserve his Proverbs 31 woman away from people like you. Because you will frustrate her. Except it is a case of like a Hosea type, you know, conversation. Where God has sent such a woman on an assignment to redeem your soul. <laughs> but aside from that, uh-uh, kingdom women should marry kingdom men so that we can produce, have kingdom families and we can continue to spread our light on the earth. So you want to marry a queen, please be a king. You want to marry a king, please begin to prepare yourself. Position yourself appropriately. Okay? How did I get here, Jesus? Somebody, somebody pulled this out because that is so not the message. But anyway, there is an assignment and you have these men who don't measure up. Something is missing. Something fundamental is absent. And we see it in David. And then Samuel says, is there anyone else? Because God does not make mistakes. He doesn't offer confusion. There definitely is a reason why he sent me to this family. He said the king is here. But he has rejected all of these other ones. And Jesus said, oh, ah, I forgot. There is one last one. Ah, may we not be the last one that is forgotten. Where they don't remember you in the days or, and in the season and in the times where it matters the most. But God remembers said, no, that, that king is inside his family. And they send for David. Scripture says he's ruddy looking. Obviously coming from his place of work. I'm, I, I'm, you know, every time I read that part, sorry guys, if you know me long enough, you know I'd say I read my Bible in pictures. When I read, I actually imagine. I, I paint scenes. That's part of how I meditate on the word. I can imagine that you know, all these other guys had shown up. 
Eliab and all the brothers, they knew that, or maybe they had been informed that Samuel was coming, and so they had prepared themselves. Why did they not mention to David? Because nobody thought him worthy. Nobody thought that it could ever be him. I mean, how would you leave a whole Eliab for Samuel to be impressed? Remember when Saul was selected, and it's very interesting. God is, God is amazing, and he has a great sense of humor. When Saul was selected, when, when, when Saul was anointed as king or chosen as king, Scripture says that he was a head taller than every other person. You know, Scripture actually describes Saul's outward appearance. But we then see when God was going to choose David, outward appearance was not a con- wasn't a consideration. It wasn't. Scripture says in Psalm 78, one of my favorite scriptures, it says that David was chosen because of the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. His outward appearance, his beard, his six-pack, not, it did not come to light. And so the Holy Spirit helps us to live supernaturally and makes us fit for the assignment that God has committed into our hands. That is the summary of that story. So it is not enough to desire, God, use me. God, use me. I want to say that Nigeria is such a hot mess. I want to be used in politics and governance. I want, you know, beyond desiring that, God is saying, ha, where you are right now, if by chance I arrange and they make a commissioner, what will your story be? Some of you will lose your faith. Because you will start to dabble into things that do not glorify God. The very 50K, 300K, 500K, maybe 1 million every month, you are still saying, when you start to see certain types of money, 7, 8, 10 zeros. When the Bible says that the love of money is the root of evil, there's a way it, it distorts your wiring. It just, and please, you all are quiet. Because you're very spiritual people. I don't want to assume that it's just me that understands that there's a way you access a level of wealth that can make you deny God. And it's not until you open your mouth to say, God, I'm not following you anymore. No, it's by actions. By our actions. You know, when I was dating my husband, there was a prayer he used to pray that didn't used to make sense to me. You know, he's an entrepreneur. I met him as an entrepreneur and still an entrepreneur. And he would say that, Lord, the, the, the kind of wealth that will make me forsake you, please don't bring me into it. In my mind, I was like, hey, Jesus. <laughs> How about we have the wealth and we help ourselves continue to follow God? Which one is the kind of wealth that will make me forsake you? Please don't bring me into it. You know, but as I began to just grow older and walk with God, and I began to see things, and I worked in the financial services industry for quite a bit, and I realized that it is so easy to miss it. It is so easy to miss it. In a bid to impress, in a bid to be promoted, in a bid to, you know, be recognized, in a bid to attain fame, influence, and wealth, there's just little things that start to happen to you, and your conscience just starts to literally just evaporate. Hence why we need to continually and daily put our bodies under. Subjecting it to the will of God. Asking that the Holy Spirit broods upon our heart on a daily basis. Because some of you are in industries that are very peculiar. 
where you are, there's literally temptation every day and you are struggling to keep your head above water. You want to serve God, you want to follow him, but there's so many things that are happening around you and you're wondering, God, I can't do this. I come to church and I feel guilty every time. You know, I read your word and I feel guilty that my life, my, the works of my hands look a certain way. Today is a good day for you to repent and to change your testimony. So, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are already anointed. Let's establish that very clearly. And we see in the Old Testament how the impartation happened, the anointing happened. So, there were three categories of people that were typically anointed for specific assignments. The kings, the priests, and the prophets. We see how God would anoint them for leadership. He would anoint them to be able to lead his people, to be able to provide guidance and direction. Then we will see how God would then choose some certain people, maybe the judges and not pour his spirit upon them. So in the Old Testament, the anointing always came upon. The anointing would come upon them. The spirit of God would come upon them. Scripture says that when Samuel anointed David by pouring that oil on him, the spirit of the Lord came upon David. And he went. And it's interesting how many years it then took David to attain that kingship position. The plenty battles he had to fight. The many, several wars. The victimization. Even from Saul, the current king, as at that time. But one of the things that was notable that the Spirit of God, the anointing of God upon David's life did, was that he enabled that skill level. Come to a dimension that was unnatural. So we see how Bible, the scriptures record that Saul, the Lord put, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and the Lord caused an evil spirit to torment him. Now, Saul needed help because he was under the oppression of the enemy. He was being tormented and his counselors would advise and say, look, let us get you someone. Let's get you a musician. And that's the power of music. Music is such a spiritual thing. Let us get you a musician. Let's get you someone who's skilled. And then they recommend David. David is skillful. The guy is not only skillful as a shepherd. He's skillful as a musician. And then he has the spirit of God upon him. And so when David would play his harp, Scripture records that that evil spirit will depart from Saul. That was the power dimension of the anointing of God upon David's life. It took that skill, that skill which seemed like nothing, you know. It didn't look like much. Harp playing, it's kind of like playing the violin for those who don't know what the harp is. Um, but I know that we all know. But, I mean, he took that. It's like playing, the way Josh plays the keyboard and just leads us in worship. And we're just lost in worship. You know, and he takes that and he, he, he plays. And an evil spirit would depart. He didn't say that David came and prayed. He didn't say that David came and prophesied. It's that David simply deployed his skill. And my question to you is, remember where I started from. You are asking yourself, how, what does the anointing look like? What, what do I look like as an anointed believer? In my day-to-day -day assignment, whether you are a doctor, let me start with that, medical sciences, the ability 
to be able to see beyond the ordinary is everything. One of the books that made a great impression on me in my teenage years was Gifted Hands by Ben Carson. You know, how he would be the first person to separate, um, what do we call those twins again? Conjoined twins, Siamese twins, you know? And, but if you read his story, his history, the guy, the guy is not ordinary. I mean, he, he grew up, his, his mom was a believer and things like that. But the thing is this, guys, in your profession, in the works of your hands, how are you engaging the anointing of the Holy Spirit? In your industry, what are the problems that need to be solved? That you are unaware that you carry God's presence and spirit to be able to solve those problems. Someone, I, re I remember several years back here, in short, a few years back, someone shared her God experience um, about having major health challenges and at some point having to, um, her father is a doctor and obviously you know how it is when they even recommend uh, in the medical profession that you can't treat your own child or something like that or your, your, whoever it is that you're emotionally uh, connected to, you know, because, yeah, you are emotionally attached. So you, you're expected to be separated from, from such cases. But, I mean, she was literally, like, nearing the point of death and it was her father's friend that had to be called in to, to solve it. And they had tried, they had prescribed medications, they had done different things and they just weren't able to solve the issue, you know. And then one day, the man then comes to their house, comes to visit and says that, look, this set of medication, I have prayed, and this is what God has said we should do. Combine this and this and this, you know. And it worked. It worked. See, guys, in our respective professions, we need to engage the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is so critical. There are certain, and I'm still going to stick with the medical profession a bit, but there are certain things that you would know to do that your science textbook has not, or your medical textbook has not said is a solution. But by engaging with the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God is released to you. And remember, supernatural acts should be natural to you as a believer. Hence why I know they say in medical profession, maybe you, can't give, you cannot give too much hope to your clients. You have to state the facts and leave it at that. But we are seeing... A generation of doctors who can pray for their patients, who can take the case file home and intercede. Lord, reveal the mystery of this to me. I want to know what is going on here so that we can apply the proper help, so that we can solve this problem. Same thing in business, same in technology, same in your legal profession. Whatever it is, whatever business you've started, and you just think it's about you. Making money is the new, next big thing. How are you engaging the anointing of God in it? So, the anointing within enables supernatural living, while the anointing upon enables supernatural acts. I've spoken about supernatural, sorry, uh, the anointing upon, uh, which was very prevalent in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see that the um, dimensions of the anointing was both upon, within, and among. Upon, within, and among. So when the Holy Spirit, when we receive the Holy Spirit to our lives, a measure of God's Spirit has been deposited in us, obviously, and we are anointed. That's the anointing within. 
okay? God would anoint us specifically for certain acts. I remember reading um, Kenneth Higgins' books where he would say things like um, he was in a revival. That's Reverend Kenneth Higgins, for anybody who knows him. He, he was having a, a healing meeting or a revival, and the anointing to heal came upon him. And he would go ahead and he would start to heal. And then at some point, he would find that the anointing had departed. And so he would say to people, look, right now, you are going to have to have faith for it. You see, when the presence of the anointing, the, the Spirit of God upon your life, and you are anointed to carry out a specific task, you may not necessarily be able to do it. So, for, for example, gifts of healing. The anointing um, activates certain gifts within us. Gifts of prophecy. But it doesn't mean that you will then be prophesying every day, for example. For some, yes, but for others, no. It is that God gives the gifts, and it is for a specific purpose. It is to be utilized for the edification of the saints. It is to be, it's to be utilized for us all, for the profiting of all, the benefit of everyone. And so we'll find the anointing upon us activated in certain instances. We'll find that the anointing within us enables us to thrive in our professions, to do great work. The anointing comes upon our skill levels and causes us to do the impossible, literally. Now, the anointing among is the corporate anointing that we have when we're in God's presence together as believers. You know, there is a way that you are in church and the faith of your brother actually can cause and bring about your healing. Because the atmosphere is rife with the Spirit of God. And so it is, it, it is an atmosphere that we have permitted that the Holy Spirit can do great works within us. So, John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Speaking about the Holy Spirit here, Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit to his disciples. He's saying to them, look, I have to go, but I'm leaving with you someone who's better. I'm going so that he can come. Imagine that Jesus was still on earth today. I mean, maybe the gospel would still not have gotten to certain places. Oh, well, it may have because the disciples had been sent out. But the Holy Spirit coming upon us, and we see that in Acts 2. When they gather together in the upper room, Scripture says that the Spirit of God came upon them like tongues of fire. Each person, each person was anointed, and they could speak, and people could hear them. So the Holy Spirit coming upon you, Scripture says he will guide you into all truth. There is a truth about the circumstance of your life. There is a truth about the current situation you're dealing with. There is a truth about what is going on in your family. There is truth about your industry. There is truth about the works of your hands. There is truth about your business. The Spirit of God guides you into truth, okay? And he will tell you of things to come. That is the power of foresight, okay? Where you know what will happen even before it, it comes. I mean, before the pandemic, we had a few people just share. Sorry, during the pandemic, we had people share testimonies about how God told them to, you know, make certain investment decisions, how the Spirit of God told them to do certain things in their business, how the Spirit of God told them to, taught them to re-strategize and things like that. And, you know, they were, they were a bit uncomfortable because it did not make any sense to us at that time. Why am I? 
But because they had walked with God such that they could trust him enough not to question those instructions, they went ahead to do it. And of course, when a lot of people were shouting, there was a casting down. They were enjoying because they had divinely positioned themselves by the help of the Holy Spirit. And so as believers, as God's children, this is the supernatural life that he wants us to live, where we know of things to come, where we are guided into truth, where we engage the word of God. The Bible speaks about the word being a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, where we enjoy light, where we enjoy clarity in our journey. We know what to do. It is so important. So, um, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, and then beyond our feelings and physical manifestations, the anointing of the Holy Spirit delivers power for transformation. So the anointing can cause goosebumps. The anointing can cause people to shout, but it's more than that. It is more than goosebumps. It's more than emotional feelings. It's, it's more than us all just breaking down into tears. The anointing of God comes upon someone and it does, they are slain in the spirit. In case somebody is wondering what that is, that is the weight of the glory the weight of the presence of, the, of God upon a man causes them to lose the ability to utilize their, you know, their, their, they, they can't stand, bottom line, they can't stand in their own man's strength. And they literally are just on the floor in worship, you know. All of that, yes, the anointing does that. The Spirit of God does that. But beyond these feelings and physical manifestations is that the anointing, delivers power for transformation, power for transformation, and that cannot be overemphasized. We talked about spiritual, supernatural living last week. See, it is easy to, have the, to be an anointed and gifted individual, but be misbehaving. Case in point, Samson. Samson was anointed. Samson was anointed for a specific purpose. Samson had the spirit of God on him. Let's not, when we think about Samson, let's not think that the guy was just doing baby boy. No. The spirit of God was upon him. God actually wanted him to, you know, um, defeat the Philistines who had become a terror to the children of Israel. And Samson, as a judge over Israel, well, that was his responsibility. And God gave very simple guidelines. Nazarites, no alcohol, no, no dead things, you know, have nothing to do with corpses. But we see a reckless type of lifestyle that something engaged, which made it, uh, you know, he literally just defied all the laws. He lived recklessly. He was not disciplined enough to be able to cultivate the anointing, to be able to stay in it. And we see that he died an interesting death. Time will not permit me to go into that story, but go and study it in Judges, in the book of Judges. You know, but he was so, he's, he's a classic example of an anointed but indisciplined person. A charismatic, a skilled, a gifted individual who's anointed but who lacks discipline. So it is very possible that you are living a life or we are living lives where we can clearly are exhibiting supernatural acts, signs and wonders are happening. You are prophesying, you are speaking in tongues, you have the gift of faith, you know, workings of miracles, gifts of healings, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. You have all of these things. 
but you are lacking in love. You are lacking in love. You have no honor, no regard. You are prideful, you know, and so many things. The presence of the Spirit of God upon us should transform us from inside out. And personally, this is my personal opinion, and of course, buttressed by Scripture. Because when Paul would talk about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, he would end by saying, earnestly desire these gifts. Desire to be an apostle. Desire to be a prophet. Desire to do great and mighty things. Desire to be, you know, the world-renowned, uh, you know, psychiatrist or physiotherapist or, you know, senior advocate of Nigeria. Desire to be all of these things with the anointing and the giftings of the Holy Spirit upon you. But I show you a more excellent way. The more excellent way is the way of love. And the Holy Spirit enables us to live lives of love. There is so much unkindness in our world today, so much wickedness. And it's almost as though we are living in a, in a, in a world that is devoid of love. So as we are desiring gifts, as the Spirit of God is enabling us to live supernatural lives, let us also focus on the evidence of the fruits of our regenerated spirits. Where we are walking and partnering with God to produce love, you know, to live lives of love, to have joy, to have peace, to have patience, kindness, gentleness. We can do with a whole lot of patience in our world. It will reduce some of the road rage and madness that happens. Some accidents are actually preventable if people would just exercise a bit more caution. Lives would have been spared. So if you are dealing with, you know, you're, you're an impatient person and you, you are dealing with a lot of, and you have anger issues, you know, for some people, you actually need to go, I mean, do therapy. But the Spirit of God is present to heal, to deliver, and to set free completely. The Spirit of God can help you become transformed in your mind, in your character, and in your life. However, you have got to be willing to yield to him completely. So fan into flame. Just as Paul would say, fan into flame. Fan into flame the spirit of God that is upon you. Fan into flame those embers that are dying. Fan into flame. And how do we do that? You need to get, fanning into flame is getting into the place of the overflow. Where you move from just what you have right now into the more that exists inside of God. Into the more that his spirit provides. Because the more of God you know, the more that you earn, continue to desire him, the more of himself he will pour into you. It is possible to go into a kitchen, you know, if for those who are, are familiar with the traditional, what you might call it now, locust beans. The power of locust beans. Let me help somebody in case you're wondering what is locust beans. Iru, your people call it Iru. How many of us know what Iru is? Online as well, if you know, you just put it in the comment section. A few of us know, okay, so it's locust beans. That's seasoning, as tiny as it looks, is deadly. Because if you, if, if, you eat, is, if you eat a meal that has been cooked with locust beans, the world will know. As you open your mouth to speak, it will testify that you have just communed with locust beans. Same thing if you're in a kitchen for those who cook, and I'm talking to those who cook, because some of you who cook may not understand what we're talking about. If you cook and they're frying fish and you are there, if you spend some time just 
in that vicinity, you will start smelling of what? Fried fish. Exactly. You step out and they can perceive the glory of the fried fish all over you. Guys, simple or very simplistic analogy, but that's it pretty much. The more time you spend with God, the more like him you become. The more like him you become. Your life begins to reflect him as you spend time with him. His fragrance, the fragrance of his knowledge will rub off on you. See, we need to get to the place where it is not until I say, I'm a Christian. Don't you know that I'm a Christian? Or I pray in tongues, heavy, powerful tongues. That's when it's like, ah, that person is filled with the Spirit of God. No. Let the works of our hands testify. Let our, the output of the works of our hands, let them testify that we belong to God. That we are with him. Unlike the apostles, we can't say that we have been with Jesus. It's that we are with him. Quality, you know, your, your contributions at meetings. You are, let them see Jesus in you without you having to say so much. People need to begin to see Jesus in us. Remember last month in our teaching series, one of the things we had established was that as God's children, we are those that respond. We don't react. You see, you react when you are clueless, usually, when you're trying to kill fires. But even, in that, even if an emergency comes to your team, an emergency comes to you, an emergency shows up in your business, and you need to deal with it, you are the one, according to what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit here, that has been guided into truth, and you know what to do. That the decision you, you know, you, you provide direction and guidance for your team, for your family. You make personal decisions that show that God is in the midst of you, and you will not fail. So, how do we cultivate the anointing? First of all, Christians who do not cultivate the anointing received from the Holy Spirit run the risk of becoming merely religious without an experience of the supernatural. And that's pretty much just summarizes everything I've been trying to say. So you have the religious Christian versus the supernatural Christian. The religious Christian versus the New Testament believer, you and I. The supernatural Christian is a proof producer. If there's anything someone is going to leave here with today, it's a constant reminder that the supernatural Christian is a proof producer. Is a proof producer. You are producing results. See, a life that has been devoid of results for the longest time, you need to sit today and say, God, let's, let's talk. I can't really point to one thing that I can say that you have instructed me, you have guided me, a problem I have solved. I seem to be the one that is at the receiving end of of, you know, insults, and I'm the one that is being called a lefus, like, I'm not thinking. But I have the mind of Christ. So we need to fix this. Because a supernatural Christian is a proof producer. So cultivating the anointing, first of all, is we need to have a strong desire for it. Where there isn't desire, it's not going to happen. So even if you come, and like I would always say, it's not enough to just come and sit here for 45 minutes or 40 minutes and listen to the word and you go and you forget. It is what you do with the word outside of here that matters. So there has to be a strong desire. I remember the scripture in James um, where he speaks about desire, you know, fleshly desires giving way to sin 
and sin eventually leading to death. Now, just preparing for this, I, remember, I, I said to myself, okay, so when we're talking about desire, that means there's a desire we can have that gives life. A desire we have that produces life, and that is a desire for the supernatural presence of God, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. Okay, so develop a hunger and thirst for righteousness and for the power of God. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Then we need to desire for the freshness in the spirit and for divine impartation. We should also desire new levels of consecration and obedience. And I'm just going to spend just a minute explaining that a bit. So we see when we're talking about new levels of consecration and obedience, we are this generation where we believe so much in God's grace that we excuse bad behavior in the name of grace. We excuse bad behavior in the name of grace. See, in the dispensation of, of the law, there were laws that God had enacted and said, look, stick to it, otherwise this is the punishment, this is the consequence of bad behavior. So much so that when Saul was going to, out of his, um, you know, trying to help God, decided that he was going to go ahead and offer sacrifices that he was not meant to because he wasn't the priest. He was the king, but he had no right to go ahead and offer the sacrifices. He said Samuel took a long time coming. And so he went ahead on behalf of Samuel to offer those sacrifices. And we see how that made him lose his kingdom. Because God said to him, look, this one you have done is inexcusable. And Samuel went ahead and just pronounced curses on him. So we are that dispensation where we are, or with the generation where we feel like a lot of things, oh, God understands, God is merciful. And yes, he is. He understands he's merciful and he's kind. But the supernatural life that he has called us to live, we cannot continue to dwell in bad behavior. There is need for consecration and there is need for obedience. You and I, there are things God is already telling us that we need to address in our lives. And you know it as you're seated here. The Holy Spirit is bringing it back to you again. There are certain relationships you need to separate from. Sexual immorality, fornication that you need to stop. Body counting, uh, or body count increasing, you know. Someone needs to move out, actually. I don't know who that is. But somebody needs to move out. You're currently cohabiting. And it's putting you in a lot of trouble. Because you will in your flesh to say, oh, we will not have sex tonight. But you're cohabiting. So you need to leave. You need to leave. Go get your own place. And if that is you, if you don't have any money, come and speak to me. I don't say I have money to give to buy to get you a house, but we'll figure it out. Okay. All right. So consecration and obedience. We see in 1 Kings 16 where Elijah at, the, at Mount Carmel would have this amazing victory over the prophets of Baal. And they would all come together and they're supposed to be, you know, every, everybody's supposed to show power. Whose God is God? The God that answers by fire. And we see how the prophets of Baal did everything, all the demonstration, cutting themselves, singing, dancing, chanting, and yet nothing happened. And then we see when it was Elijah's turn, Scripture records that Elijah repaired the altar that had been broken down. He said to the people, come. He repaired the altar that had been broken down. What altar in your life needs to be repaired? What altar in our lives do we need to fix? Where we need to reset the wood. You know how it is you set wood and coal so that fire can continue to flame? God would instruct the, the, the children of Israel, the Levites, that they must make sure that the fire in the 
tabernacle stays burning, that it doesn't go off. Some of us, our fires are off, but today we are reigniting them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we are going to prepare our altar for that. That's what the word is doing, helping us. So think about it. What altar in your life needs to be repaired? What altar is your prayer altar? Maintaining spiritual disciplines. Having faith. What actions do you need to take to ensure that that altar is repaired? So, what is sacred in your life presently? What is sacred in your life? What is sacred in your life? What are the things that you have decided that these are touch-nots? No matter what the world systems define, we will not touch this because this belongs to God. What appointments are we setting? Are we proposing in our hearts to set and to keep with God in this time? It's important that we start to think about these questions and answer them. And what are we deliberately separating ourselves onto in this season? Because the supernatural life is not the normal life. We said it last week. It's an abnormal life. You separate and you separate from sin. You separate from... There are certain people that we need to separate from certain friends. That's the truth. But don't worry. We've got you. We have small groups. There are people in church here. Support systems that God will raise for you. See, Because God would always honor your faithfulness to him. Because he knows that you have a choice. You could have chosen to look away and to continue to follow the trend and follow the crowds and follow the worldly strategies. But he would reward your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. So the second thing, spend time fellowshipping with God. I've spoken about that a bit. And praying in the Holy Spirit. Can we agree together that we will dedicate a time, a time slot in your day, every day, where all you're doing is just praying in the Holy Spirit. You're praying in other tongues. And you're praying in understanding as the Holy Spirit grants you utterance. And all you're doing, you're not asking for things. You're just praying to God. Not asking for things. You're just communing with him. Just praying to him. Allowing him speak to you as well. That you will dedicate. Somebody you need to start. You're like, oh man, I can't do all this one hour, two hours. Mm -mm. Start with 15 minutes. Start with 30 minutes. Where you turn off your phones, turn off your gadgets, disconnect from social media just for 30 minutes, and it is quiet around you. Just you and God, and you're just praying in the Holy Ghost and allowing the Spirit of God just pray through you. Pray what is on the Father's heart. You see, we live such busy lives, and that, is, that, that does not exclude me, guys. We live, Lagos is busy, but you see, you will make things for what is important, or you make time for what is important to you. You will prioritize what is important. And so this is an appeal. I remember when I used to drive to work when my office was in Marina. I would leave home at about 5.30 in the morning. And I would pray. I, in fact, I always enjoyed those um, times because it was just me and God in the car. So find creative ways to engage. It is important. Find a time slot in your day and make it a daily thing. Be consistent with it. Because God would only fill you if you're hungry and thirsty and you are yielded to him. He will not fill you if you're full of yourself and full of your own ideologies. So fellowshipping with God is so critical. Consistent study and meditation on the word. The word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Let's stick with the word. Time spent in Bible study and meditation is critical. 
to the cultivation of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says in Colossians 3.16, let the spoken word of Christ, the amplified translation, let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things. But focus on that first part. Let the word of Christ dwell, have its home within you. It's dwelling richly. That's another translation that says dwelling richly in your heart and mind, permeating the word transforms. The word works. The word changes. It fixes stuff. But you have got to know the word. And to know the word, you have got to spend time with the word. Then the last thing is by use of it and by impartation. The anointing grows with use. The anointing of God upon your life will grow with use. When you are not using it, it will lie dormant. And so this morning, we trust that all latent and dormant gifts that the Spirit of God has deposited in us will be activated in Jesus' name. Amen. So, it grows with use. Remember the guy who hid his one talent, who didn't do anything with it. Sometimes you will lose it. When you don't use it, you will lose it sometimes. But anointing grows with use. And oftentimes we receive it by impartation, as earlier um, mentioned. So, don't ask for more of what you are not using. There's always a tendency and the temptation to ask for more. And we're like, God, just fill me. Fill me till I overflow. You know, I want, I want the gift of prophecy. I want the gift of, the, the, you know, gift of workings of miracles. The one that we have given you, excuse me, sir, have you used it? Please go and use it. Go and deploy it. The people that need it, that we have given you to be able to resource, they are waiting for you. Please use it. All right, so my last scripture, and then we'll rise up and just pray very quickly, and we'll take our confessions. Um, First Kings, sorry, yeah. First Kings 13, verse 20. I'm just going to say, you can read it at, um, at home. So, Elisha died, and they buried him. And then some other dude died, and they carried the guy. They were going to bury the guy. On the way, they, they met a band of, of raiders, of robbers, who started attacking them. And so they dumped the guy, the dead man, in Elijah's tomb, Elisha's tomb. And the dead man came to life. Elisha did not lay his hands on the man. Like, Hello, Elisha was dead already. It was inside his tomb, so it was maybe his bones or whatever that made connection with the man. But every time I read that scripture, I'm reminded that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is so powerful that the residue, I mean, his spirit had already departed. So was, did that mean, did that mean, I'm, Demilade, help me here, because did that mean that the, Elisha's bones were anointed? The residue of the anointing was still inside his bones, in the tomb, such that this man, this dead man, could come to life by reason of contact with a dead man's bones. On that note, please, let's rise up. We have a lot to talk to God about this morning, and you, you will continue the conversation. We'll continue the conversation outside of here. I want us to just begin to pray this morning, and we're asking, Lord, bring me to the place of the overflow. Bring me to the place of the overflow. We've said quite a bit this morning, and we're just asking, Lord, you know what we need. You know what we need. So we're asking 
that you will bring us to that place of the overflow. As a people, as a church, as young believers in this generation, Lord, in a world filled with so much darkness, we're asking, anoint us and cause us to overflow. In the name of Jesus, fill us, fill us. There's that song we used to sing back in the days. Fill us till we want no more. I doubt that we can be filled till we stop wanting. But I believe that song means fill me till where my natural needs are not the things that I focus on anymore. Till the place where I am not wanting and desiring just natural things. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Fill me till the place, Lord, where I am fulfilling purpose, where I am carrying out your agenda here on earth. Where I am manifesting your gifts. Where I am living the supernatural life that you have called me to. Where I am full and overflowing with love. Someone needs to make that their declaration. Because you are so bitter. There's so much that has happened to you. You are in a state of unforgiveness right now. But you need to say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit till I overflow in love. Till I overflow in peace. Till I overflow with joy. Till I overflow with kindness, with goodness, with gentleness, with patience, with self-control. Someone needs to say that, especially that latter part. Fill me till I overflow in the name of the Lord Jesus with self-control. Let your anointing come upon me right now. Someone needs to say, Spirit of God, I permit you to take over my life, take over my will. I surrender, I yield to you, my family my spouse, my children, the things that I have prioritized over and above your spirit, over and above your presence. Help me in the name of the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, pour upon me afresh. Someone needs to ask for fresh fire in the name of the Lord Jesus. Fresh fire upon our altars, fresh fire upon our hearts to consume all that is flesh. To consume all that stands contrary to the will and to the way of the Most High God. In the name of Jesus, that which consistently puts me in a place of confusion at loggerheads with your spirit, Lord. Today I yield, I yield those secret sins, those besetting sins. I present them before you, those little foxes that are destroying the vine of my relationship with you that are setting me back and allowing the enemy have a foothold in my life, consistently questioning and, and condemning me. Today, in the name of Jesus, the fire of God consumes all such feelings, all such negativity, and you are set free. Scripture says that he that the Son has set free is free indeed. So would you declare you are free in the name of Jesus, and the Spirit of God comes upon you as the Spirit of God makes contact with your human spirit, that you are transformed in your mind, you are transformed in your spirit, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lastly, I want us to pray, Lord, let me bless my world by the anointing that you have blessed me with. Let me bless my world by the anointing, with the anointing you have blessed me with. That which you have deposited in me to be used for your glory, I ask for help. I ask for grace to use this, Lord, in accordance with your will. Let the people you have sent me to, Lord, let me not miss them. Do not let another take my place. In the name of Jesus, let me not be found wanting when it matters most. The giftings, 
the, the abilities, the talents that the Spirit of God has deposited in me. Lord, help me use it for your glory. Help me use it for, your, for the propagation of the gospel. Help me partner with you in fulfilling kingdom agenda. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Spirit of God, we invite you afresh into our hearts, into our lives. Take over in the name of Jesus. Mashata Kaliba Sandele Dede Raboko Soto Yekelegede Alibaro Sitaya. I pray for that one. Just as Paul said to Timothy, do not let anyone despise your youth. You are here and you feel like you are young. As such, you cannot do that which God is commanding you to. I am saying to you this morning, take your eyes away from what you have been called to do and put it on the one that has called you. Take your eyes away from the magnitude of the things before you and place them on the one that has called you because he's able to give you strength. He's able to fill you with the needed grace and capacity to fulfill his will. In the name of Jesus, he's the one that makes you willing and able to please him, to do of his own good pleasure. And so this morning, Lord, as your children, we yield to you again, we submit to you. We open up our hearts, we say, fresh fire fall upon us. In the name of Jesus, anoint us afresh for good works. Anoint us afresh for, in, for, for, for impact. Anoint us afresh, Lord, to influence our world positively. Anoint us afresh to influence our, in, our industries. Anoint us afresh with business ideas to take our businesses forward. In the name of the Lord Jesus, that it will cause profiting for all. It will make our world a better place. It will make Nigeria a better place. In the name of the Lord Jesus, our families are preserved in you, O God. Spirit of God, anoint us afresh for parenting. Someone is to pray that. Anoint me afresh for parenting. Anoint me afresh for marriage. As I prepare to get married or as I am already married, anoint me afresh to be a good spouse, to be a good, a good husband, a good wife. In the name of Jesus, one that sees clearly, that I enjoy foresight. In the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God is upon me. I am guided into truth. I know what to do. I am guided into all truth and I know what to do. In the name of Jesus. Lastly, I want us to pray and say, my ears are inclined to your words, O God. I attend to your words and I incline my ears to your saying. I attend to your words and I incline my ears to your saying. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So let's take our uh, confessions. We'll be taking those confessions every Sunday till the end of the month. Um, we took them last week, so can we have them up? Alright, one, two, go. I am a spirit born of the spirit, and I possess the nature of God. The spirit of God dwells in me, influences me, empowers me, guides me, conditions me, and expresses God's capabilities through me. I live beyond my five senses and outside the realm of human knowledge because I am supernatural and I live every day supernatural. My life is governed, directed, and influenced by the divine nature and supernatural capabilities. I sense the invisible. I hear the inaudible. I dare the impossible, all according to my supernatural nature. My supernatural nature manifests in big things, ordinary things, and every area of my life because I am supernatural and I live every day supernatural. Divine wisdom, power, peace, patience, love, and joy are parts of my divinity. 
and I manifest them daily. I am not limited in expression, growth, and manifestation by economic conditions, medical science, political systems, and financial systems because I am supernatural and I live every day supernatural. I am resilient, creative, perceptive, full of power, and strong in character in a way that ordinary humans cannot fathom. When people encounter me, interact with the work of my hands, and try to analyze my life, they perceive divinity because I am supernatural and I live every day supernatural. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you celebrate Jesus and please take your seats. God bless you. Thank you once again for being in church this morning. Um, I think we have Sharon taking the announcements. Yeah, okay. Uh, before Sharon comes up, I'm just going to mention this very quickly. We, there are several opportunities for you to be able to um, grow and just join and encourage you to try and be a part of it. You can access the link via our social media platforms. Okay. This Wednesday, so every Wednesday as a church, we fast in the LifePoint Church. Just in case you've never been informed or notified, we observe a fast every Wednesday. And I'm announcing here just so you know, and we'll probably be announcing every Sunday so we can remind people ahead on Wednesdays. However, from this Wednesday, we're going to do things a bit differently. We're going to have virtual prayer rooms, okay? We'll have a virtual prayer room on Wednesday between the hours of 12. So the room will be open um, on Zoom, 12 o'clock till 12.30, 3 o'clock to 3.30, and then 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And you can come into the room and intercede for people, post your prayer requests, and we know that people will be praying along with you. So 12, 3, and 5. Now at 5 o'clock, I encourage everyone to please come online so we can, you know, pray together. We will spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost and then we'll take specific prayer points. 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock on Wednesday. We will circulate the Zoom link. Is there a link up? Okay, fantastic. So that's the Zoom link actually. So you can just copy it down, put in the number there and then... Um, join us this Wednesday, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. Okay? Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.